But basically it comes down to this, that the graphene oxide found in the injectables and the environmental pollution works on a quantum level with 5G. It replicates and self-assembles nanotech inside of the body. It's used to track and trace humans. It's used for DNA targeting. It's used for mind control and other forms of control of humans. And it's used for depopulation. Hey friends, Sean from SGT Report here. Hope and Tavan are back, my researcher friends from Morocco. And in this one, we discuss quantum chemical warfare. Before we start, just a quick word about our sponsor. Silver has been valued for its beauty and rarity for centuries, but did you know it also plays a vital role in modern industry and tech? According to Noble Gold Investments CEO Colin Plume, who I just interviewed recently, silver could be the new oil. From electronics to solar panels, demand for silver is only set to rise. That's why investing in a silver IRA from Noble Gold Investments is a smart choice for those looking to secure their financial future. With a Noble Gold Investments Silver IRA, you can invest in physical silver coins or bars and take advantage of its unique properties as both a precious metal and industrial commodity. Not only does a Noble Gold Investments Silver IRA provide a hedge against inflation and market volatility, it also allows you to diversify your portfolio with an asset proven to hold its value over time. And this month, you'll get a beautiful Silver Eagle coin with every qualifying IRA of $20,000 or higher. You can't go wrong with Noble Gold Investments and their thousands of five-star reviews. Just visit noblegoldinvestments.com to get started. That's noblegoldinvestments.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's Sean from sgtreport.com, thephaser.com, and thelibertymill.com with two of my favorite guests, returning guests. Really, guys, at this point, your all-time favorites at SGT Report. It's Hope and Tavon from FTWproject.com. How are you guys? Hi, we're doing Hi, great. Hi, Sean. Sean. We're doing great. Great Thank to you. be back. Yeah, welcome back. I saw you on Mike Adams recently. He's a friend of the show, and uh, now you're friends of his as well. Yeah, it was it was a great experience. Yeah, yeah. Really awesome to finally talk to him. We've been waiting a long time for that call, so yeah. it was great to be on. Yeah, he's a wonderful host. Yeah, I can independently verify that he truly is a friend to humanity, a friend of SGT Report. Mike Adams has done some nice things for me behind the scenes that sometimes I've talked about, sometimes I haven't talked about, but he is the real deal. And uh, so are Hope and Tavon, guys. Today we're going to talk about new facial recognition systems rolling out at airports. You want to board a plane? Get your face scanned. The question is, will you comply? Also, we're going to talk about the explanation of the quantum nature of what's happening through the COVID agenda, cesium in the vaccines, etc. The name of this show, Quantum Chemical Warfare. So much happening, friends. We'll jump in the deep end here in just one second, but I want to start with some topical news. Hope and Tavon, you may have seen this. If you haven't, I'll recap. What is the price for a man's soul. Well, in the case of Jimmy Kimmel, it's $15 million a year. That is his contract to spew the nonsense he spews nightly. It's interesting, guys, that there is one thing that he continues to make fun of, and it might be because his name is on the manifest, allegedly. That's Epstein Island mm. and wow. Jeffrey Epstein, child sex trafficking. I'm not sure why Jimmy Kimmel thinks that's a joke. Joel Bauman. Well, he doesn't think it's a joke at all. And in this post-fight interview, he called out Jimmy Kimmel specifically. Listen to this. You're looking at the guy that's the reason that college athletes and high school athletes are getting paid today. Mr. Influencer to Influencers. Secondly, Jimmy Kimmel, viral this. I fight to eradicate childhood malnutrition from the planet. And until they release the flight logs, you... The mainstream media, Hollywood, are all pedophiles to me. Eat dick. <laughs> oh, am wow. I canceled yet? Dot com. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you guys have any color commentary for me about this before we move on? You know, just men need to, uh, you know, exert themselves again. And I think that's fantastic to see this. Uh, and also that's showing leadership for the younger generation of, uh, of, you know, look, we need, we need to stand against this evil. We just can't have, just get steamrolled over this and, and, uh, and, and give these people any more power, especially over our kids. And it does beg the question, Jimmy Kimmel, $15 million a year. Is that the price 
for one's soul when all you do is throw CPAC and conservatives under the bus. You elevate abortion on demand. You elevate Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and you make fun of child sex trafficking and the Epstein ring. I don't know, Jimmy Kimmel. It sure seems like you have something to hide, as does this next character, Matt Hancock, a British MP. New emails released prove the COVID vaccine scam. He talked openly about when should we deploy the new variant to frighten the pants off everyone? Does it feel to you guys like truth wins and we are winning and all of these people are now being named and called out for their treason? Because it feels that way to me. Justin Trudeau, just another tyrant. Yeah, well, it does feel that way. And, you know, the one positive thing about COVID overall is that we got to find out who everybody was, Mm -hmm. who everybody really was. Yeah. So. Yeah, they all showed their true colors. colors. (laughs) Look at that. (laughs) Jinx. Absolutely. I know. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So I mentioned Trudeau. I should have also mentioned Joe Biden, a puppet president, just like Macron, just like Merkel, just like that Lula down in Brazil. Now talking about openly talking about mandatory vaccines for the Brazilian population that had their election stolen and handed to a convicted criminal, a convicted felon, Lula. It's just more of the same, but it's waking people up in droves. And in this conversation, guys, we're going to talk about quantum chemical warfare. What does that mean? Well, in my view, it's a bit biblical. I'm going to turn it over to my guests. Hope and Devon, where should we start, guys? Uh, We'll start at the beginning. We've got another presentation we put together. There we go. You bet. Quantum chemical warfare. All right. Great. So that is the the name of this presentation. And I just wanted to start with a statement for the presentation's goal. So in this presentation, we're attempting to explain the mechanics of the beast system and how through recent COVID agenda tactics and now chemical warfare, their plans of implementing a fourth industrial revolution with mass migration, transhumanism and depopulation are underway. So to understand what makes the internet of things operate, we must first understand its quantum underpinnings. The technology being used today is much more advanced than they disclose. The goal of this presentation and all of our others in the past is to equip you with the knowledge and understanding of how the weapons that are being used against you work. Hopefully this will help you to to better protect yourself and your families for the days that are ahead. And here's our summary of what we'll be covering. So we're going to be defining uh, quantum entanglement, uh, explaining quantum communication, we're also going to talk about quantum communication tests done by the Chinese university. Uh, it's an interesting bombshell. Um, most governments could be using this network right now. We'll talk more about that. Uh, we'll define supercomputers and what data, what kind of data is being aggregated by them. Also, cesium atomic clocks. Graphene oxide in the shots works quantumly to control 5G. Um, update on the white fibers clots investigation. Surveillance updates, facial recognition, and more, the chemical warfare, a list of the chemical crisis since the beginning of this year in the U.S., and a description of the chemicals used in World War I, East Palestine, Ohio, the dangers of dioxin articles, and the three narratives, Fukushima replay, and how you know this is a cover-up. And also, we'll tell you about our new project, the Fix the World Cattle Farmer Project, at the end of this. So with that said, let's dive into explaining everything about quantum so that uh, people understand how this grid system is is made up. So basically, before I get into it, Sean, we're just going to talk about these technologies. Um, But but in general, we do feel that this complex infrastructure will collapse on its own. Um, they're, They're throwing a lot of these technologies all together, hoping to get a result that it's in their favor. Uh, so having said that, when I go through this, just just uh, have that in the back of your head because, you know, these people are crazy and, and they're doing crazy things. So um, so let's let's get into it. We're talking about quantum entanglement. You know, what is quantum entanglement? And and just so you know, this this word on its own is in debate right now. I mean, it's not the, the science isn't settled on what what this on, on whether this is a real thing or not. But. In, in textbooks, when you look it up, quantum entanglement is the phenomenon that occurs when you have a group of particles that are generated or light uh, that interact or share uh, spatial proximity in a way such that at the quantum state of each particle, 
the group itself can't be described independently from the state of others, meaning these things are created once they're out there in space. Uh, you can't get the properties one that makes it distinct from the other, including when they're separated by a large distance. So this effect we're talking about can happen for at large distances. Like on the other side of the planet? Yeah, or, or in space. Mm -hmm. So the topic of quantum entanglement is at the heart of the disparity between classical and quantum physics. You have scientists been arguing about this ever since uh, this term came up. Uh, but in general, the entanglement is a primary feature of quantum mechanics, uh, not present in classical mechanics. This is taken from Wikipedia. And again, we're talking about properties from particles that came from an origin, whether they're atoms, whether they're light. And this is also why when we talk about communication today, we're going to talk about light. When we talk about quantum computers, there are several kinds of quantum computers that are in development or are being used currently. Um, I want to go back to the last image because it's important. So like when we look at the uh, on the right, what you see is an illustration where a laser beam is going through a uh, crystal and it's splitting the beam into two paths, the so two two photons, for example. And these photons, they when they're uh, they're in it shows their interaction where they overlap. And so that that's kind of like the entanglement aspect right there. Now, we believe this is important because this is laser light. Well, the same property can be applied to all kinds of electromagnetic fields, including microwave beams. Um, so we're going to try and go into that later. All right. So quantum communication. So the quantum internet uses single photons to carry information. Uh, there are various methods to take advantage of these summitopic particle properties of light to create secure near instant communication. Now the quantum communication we're talking about, Sean, is basically the fiber optic network. Uh, as old as it is, uh, you know, these, these plastic uh, networks carry that carry the light. Uh, have huge advantages and be able to transmit photons and using it for uh, calculations at the quantum level. Quantum networks use the quantum properties of photons to encode information. For example, photons or light polarized in one orientation may pass through an optical filter oriented in the same direction versus light polarized in an inverted direction that will not pass. Uh, now, this property can be used to pass over one or a zero, the foundation of binary logic. So, and so again, this is one. This is one um, method of quantum communication uh, through the, through the fiber optic line. Now, these protocols of quantum communication also have a property called superposition, where the information of the photon carries its uh, carries its uh, properties in several states simultaneously. If a hacker tries to intercept the photon, the information state uh, collapses to only a single value and it destroys that the, the the remaining information and it's an indication at the same time that the communication line that fiber optic cable has been breached so this is seen as a security feature uh, a design is designed and operated at the quantum network and derives inherently inherent security from this behavior now also along with this network you have something on the internet called uh, repeaters that take a signal and they boost it so it can get to long long distances uh, to to the receiver. So they want to apply this to the quantum network. So quantum network repeaters are being developed that are able to use this entanglement of photons in the network to amplify and reach the distant uh, recipient. Again, this was taken out of uh, the DOE uh, DOEenergy.gov website. All right. So this article uh, is about China. And back in 2018, they were starting a uh, another test. This, I think this was like their fourth test of a quantum network that they had installed two years prior. And basically, this is China and Italy set quantum technology tests. This is an example of a country publicly releasing that they have a quantum network. And this network that they're testing at the time was basically two quantum satellites in space and they had ground stations in China and then they had other ground stations in other parts of the world with countries that were wanting to do the tests with China. Um, so this article basically talks about the distances that are covered, how they're able to uh, send uh, uh, encrypted quantum communication from one site in China to the other site in Italy 
but uh, there's other articles you can find online dealing with China running this uh, this program. And the, the program is called MICIUS um, or M-I-C-I-U-S. And when you look that up, basically they, they've done several tests over the past uh, couple of years uh, where they were had they had host countries sending data encrypted optical data uh, at the quantum you know with quantum communication to these countries and I mean just like a video feed um, you know the, the high bandwidth type stuff uh, to show that it can happen. There are some drawbacks to this when you read the article further. This is only a snippet. When you read the article further, there are some drawbacks to the the way they have it currently. For example, it's only line of sight. The satellite has to be like over you or above you in order for it to work. Uh, so that also means they have to determine what kind of orbit to have the satellites in. Uh, a few other issues uh, dealing with, again, um, the, 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 the land aspect of it, where they have to send the data through uh, large distances, like 30 kilometers or so uh, in China. They have to have repeaters in between those junctions. And those repeaters, uh, they're more of the classic design, which means a hacker potentially could actually go to or target a repeater to hack the information that way. So they, ha they have some bugs to work out. But the point is, uh, China is actually trying to get this uh, worked on large scale. So having covered that with quantum communication is, it's all about timing. So I'm going to briefly talk about some of the timing problems that the new 5G networks have. Um, that's being tackled right now uh, with the telecoms around the world. So network synchronization problems for 5G. The car carrier North America rely on GPS to their cell sites uh, what time what time it is. Uh, this method worked for 4G LTE, but not for 5G due to the tighter requirements. And those tighter requirements is because of the increased bandwidth. Uh, so you, they need they need a tighter timing signal. Getting out of sync with the larger network could cause the site to go down or go offline. Now, traditionally, cell sites needed to be on synchronized clocks to avoid uh, interference among signals on the same frequency, and that's on the 4G network. But this would be too expensive to deploy on a 5G network in an urban environment. So one solution is to have redundancy built into the infrastructure by installing a bunch of GPS uh, timing modules uh, at the cell, basically at the cell towers and build new, what they would call central offices between uh, the main core network, you know, the central office of the ISP and put timing modules on those as well. And then also put what are called boundary clocks within the network and, and, and boundary clocks are clocks that, that tend to um, be located between one network and another or one time zone and another. So their, their answer, their pass for this is basically put more timing modules everywhere for redundancy. So that's one solution um, that that was mentioned here. All right. This is so far above my pay grade. I don't even have any intelligent questions to ask. Hope, can you help me out here? What are we saying? What does this even mean? Does this mean there's some weakness within the 5G rollout and the 5G apparatus that they want to spend so many billions of dollars? on as Tom Wheeler foamed at the mouth and he said to hell with the safety studies. We need to fast track this because it's so important. It's so important to what end? Our enslavement? Yes, there, there is what, what this is saying is that there is weakness to the, um, the, the system that they've been trying to build. And so we're showing you how they're trying to build it, showing you what the weak spots are. And we're also trying to explain this concept of, of quantum because they're trying to use quantum mechanics in order to run this entire network. And the, the Chinese uh, story is also proving that it can be done to quantumly communicate because eventually what we're trying to get to is that they're trying to quantumly communicate with human beings. This is how they're trying to control people through the nanotechnology that's been injected into people and also that they're putting all over the environment and in the pollution. Yeah. Should we back up and um, just talk a little bit about quantum mechanics and the double slit experiment for those that don't understand? Because I don't sure. fully understand. I mean, I guess the implication is that when observed, photons behave differently than when they're not being observed. I think. Am I paraphrasing that correctly based on the double slit experiment? Were they photons they were shooting through there? Explain that, Tivon. Yeah, yeah. The double slit experiments have been done with photons and uh, particles like electrons and atoms. Um, but you, you paraphrase it correctly, Sean. And in fact, what you just said right there is already a debate 
among um, scientists who work in that field. Um, depending on who you listen to, uh, we were, we're doing our research for this presentation. Uh, some scientists don't like the term, you know, the wave function collapses to one solution. They, they don't buy it. They don't, they don't believe that's what's happening. It's just, um, and that they see it as a crutch for a phenomenon that we don't quite understand, that there could be other factors involved that could not be, might even be explainable by uh, classical mechanics. And this is the debate. That's the debate. So either what you just said is either real or it isn't. Um, it, it's, it's, there's, there's questions around that, that whole thing. No one really understands how that works. This spooky action at a distance, what Einstein says about one particle, two particles coming from the same source, one is changed, the other one is influenced. But then again, if you observe the one that you just changed, you've, you've, you've changed the condition. So you're not able to even get any information after that. I mean, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to, to see. What helps me is, um, cause I know that a lot of this is really like up there, right. When it comes to scientific conversations, but what helps me is just like a basic understanding of this is kind of how the spirit works, how the spirit of God, how spiritual matters work through, um, like when you say things like we're all connected, well, quantumly, we are all connected. If, if we're, if we were at one time coming made from God's image and now we're pieces of God made from God's image um, and we can be the voice of God and, and different things. That's how we are connected quantumly. So that's how it, it helps me to understand that because when you look up the definition of quantum, you won't find one. You won't find one. That's the problem. It's, it's really hard for people to define, but there are experiments that are showing that there is this phenomenon where things are connected where things happen simultaneously to two different things at the same time, even if they're really, really far apart. I guess the common thing on all of them, Sean, is that what is common uh, or, or is that translates across space is information, that there's yes. there's information that is connecting all of us and it has a dimension on its own and it's in an invisible realm. Okay, um, so the spiritual nature of this conversation must be emphasized, right? The spiritual nature of what they're yes. up to with technology is something that we should focus on and talk about because 4G, as far as I'm concerned, served all the needs of the people in terms of having access to the internet. Okay, we've talked yes. about this mm -hmm. before. I'm not on 5G and yet we're having this conversation. You're halfway across the world and this is Star Trek level stuff. We're having a video yes. conversation yeah. and you're on the other side of the world. Why do we need 5G when it's so cumbersome? It's so many new towers that need to be rolled out. It's yes. so the infrastructure is costing you know tens of billions of dollars. Why are they spending the money? Because it is a weapons platform. I mean, that's yes. what we need to all understand. And fortunately, my audience and your audience knows that. The common man, the NPCs, the sheeple people, they have no idea. Yes, that's that's right, Sean. And what underpins this weapons platform is the timing, the timing behind it. The more accurate the timing, the more effective the weapons platform, what they hope. This is I, I believe this is what um, they, the they would like to have. OK, I'm sorry. The timing. That, that's where you yes. throw me off. I just help me understand. It's all about okay. the timing. What does that mean? I don't understand. Well, we're going we're gonna to go into that with the quantum clock because all the clocks yes. are run off of a quantum clock. So he's going to explain what that is. And this is how they're trying to sync everything up, including yeah. human beings. But what I'm referring to, just in general, before I go into the quantum clock, I'm referring to the universal time uh, that all of our, uh, our watches or our computers, our electronic devices, our mobile phones are using uh, uh, globally. They're all synced up to uh, a, common, a common clock. And... The accuracy of that clock allows these networks to do things more accurately. I, I do know that that exists, or at least some, a nuclear clock, an atomic clock, some clock exists that is like the purveyor of all accuracy, right? Because I'm on a yes. MacBook Pro right now, and as I look exactly. at the clock, it says 1.25 p.m., and I know that when my watch gets off a bit, I can always go to my MacBook, and I will get the accurate time globally. Is that correct? That's Yes, that's, that's the clock, clock we're referring to. Okay. Yes, yes. Uh, so the, the these uh, clocks are also in, well, I'll go into it later, but these clocks are also in the GPS network satellites, and um, basically all of our technology references off of these clocks. These clocks are also used for accuracy as far as targeting and GPS coordinates. So um, 
So the, the atomic clocks, the, this type of clocks are the most accurate timekeeping devices available, and they measure time by the oscillation frequency of energized atoms, either by radio frequency or by lasers. That's how they're able to suspend these atoms. Okay. Now these atomic clocks originally used cesium uh, atoms, and that was designed by Lewis Essen in 1955. It was built at the National Physics Laboratory in the UK. Well, these types of clocks evolved over the past uh, few decades, and the accuracy has greatly improved. And it made the cesium-based atomic clock the global standard for timekeeping. Um, as of about the, within the last decade, you had the NIST F1, uh, and that was that kept the uh, universal, the coordinate universal time or UTC, uh, as a primary standard that was adopted throughout the world to regulate the time reference uh, by highly accurate atomic clocks. So when you first have your computer or you're, you're installing an operating system on it and, and you're going through the um, you're going through the setup phase and you know and, and you're having to put in the information like what country you're in, what language you're in, and then ask you if you would like to connect to the, you know, get the, the get your time on your on your computer, like you said, Sean. Well, what it does, it goes to um, it goes to one or two play, you know, one or two main places, either uh, NIST or it goes to um, the, the observatory in the UK or it goes to a GPS satellite connects to one of these three you can choose. And it, it synchronizes its, its, its time based on that. So what we have are some terms to uh, help, help with uh, get the idea of, well, networks need the same clock also. So you have the 5G network, 4G network, uh, all kinds of uh, telecommunications uses the same clocking mechanism. So what you have is what is called the NPT, and this is the network time protocol. And this is the standard that's used to synchronize the computer network or, or the Internet of Things to an accurate time. And its source may be taken from the GPS satellite network. Um, the National Institute of Science, uh, the NIST, or the UTC time server. Now, the GPS uh, is a favorite option, or you know, the global positioning system, because it consists of 24 satellites which orbit Earth, and it was originally developed by the U.S. military to provide accurate global positioning information for navigational purposes. And each satellite, each of those 24 satellites, Sean, has on board a highly accurate atomic clock and has ground-based GPS receivers that can obtain the precise time information from uh, information GPS offers for the synchronization of all the devices around the world. And so the question that we have, haven't gone through what an atomic clock is, are the new satellites using cesium atomic clocks or something else? Because technology has moved on from cesium since then. So there's a revolution in the GPS infrastructure and it's dealing with these atomic clocks. And there's one called, a now is called a quantum logic clock. And this is based on an article um, called NIST second quantum logic clock based on aluminum ion is now the most precise clock. So in 2010, the NIST scientists built an experimental atomic clock based on a single aluminum atom that is now the world's most precise clock more than twice as precise as a mercury clock they made. And it neither gains or loses one second in 3.7 billion years, which means if this clock was left on to run for 3.7 years, it would lose accuracy or would not lose accuracy by a second. It would still, it would still be within that one second margin of error. Um, by comparison, the old cesium clock in the previous generation, neither gained or lost a second in about 100 million years. So it's a, it's a highly accurate clock. Other possible applications may include ultra-precise autonomous navigation, such as landing planes by GPS. That was a quote taken out of the article. And in summary, dealing with these atomic clocks as, as the primary master timepieces for the world, more accurate, higher frequency atomic clocks allow for higher bandwidths across the global network to be achieved. When combined with quantum logic, it is possible to affect one device or many simultaneously through remote platforms that rely on high precision communication. So we're witnessing the revolution in the GPS infrastructure. All right. I'm going to just be quiet because I'm still trying to track where we're going here, but I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we'll get there. <laughs> okay, so we have uh, an, another example of 
trying to keep time accurately. And this is dealing with a company using new satellite clusters to resolve timing issues. So timing here in this article, timing is also getting resolved by having new satellite clusters deliver wireless internet directly to your current mobile phone. And there was an article in 2020 about this. Um, so this company is basically delivering phone service directly from the satellite to your phone, not to a cell tower to your phone, directly to your phone from above you. And this is a quote taken from the CEO of Link. This is a Virginia-based satellite company. Um, the hard part is the uplink from the phone, uh, says Charles Miller, co-founder of the CEO of Link, a satellite communications company based in Virginia. You can't change the phone or add more power. It just needs to work out of the pocket. So basically, he's complaining that the signal from the ground device to the satellite used to be too weak until Link started testing core technology on a 2G network. They had to test it on something, and they did it from an ISS, the ISS, the uh, station. They had so they had a platform, a, a test rig that was sent up there to the ISS, and they started doing their testing, trying to communicate with ground devices in 2019 in remote locations. I think they were testing somewhere in Tibet. And the solution involves uh, the use of a special antenna that was on the ISS that they would not publicly disclose. But with this antenna, they were able to send data directly uh, to, the, uh, to the phones on the ground. So we fast forward to 2022, Link launched the world's first com commercial, what they call cell tower in space. Uh, and they have plans for 5,000 microsatellites that would be in very low, low Earth orbit that will allow direct communication to people's phone. So with that ability to send energy from space directly down to your phone, um, well, we ask about what about the non-commercial cell towers in space? Were there other, was there other research that's not public uh, publicly disclosed? And if such infrastructure can locate and communicate with your phone anytime, anywhere, then potentially it can target you for death and destruction at any time, anywhere, especially if you have certain biological markers in you. Hmm. Let me just say one thing for uh, those listening who might be globe, as we're told, skeptics. The image on the left there, guys, of that globe ball Earth and the satellites above, I think we can all agree to just sideline whatever the nature of the Earth is. Let's just sideline that for a moment and let's realize that the balloon that went over the United States of America that we're uh, told was a Chinese balloon, it had a uh, what looked like a satellite attached to it. I just want to say one thing. NASA is the number one consumer of helium on planet Earth. Why is that? Let's just sideline the discussion of what the nature of this thing is that we live on. And let's just concede that even Elon's Starlink, if it exists, as we're told, they could be satellites attached to helium balloons so in a world where we all feel we're being lied to about everything can we concede that regardless of the shape of this thing we live on what you're describing could certainly be hosted by high altitude helium balloons satellites or not i just want to throw that out there i don't think Technology. so no no i, you I think? don't not i think i think it needs to be much higher for for proper coverage um the application for for this company was to go to remote areas uh, which which made it stand out. It's, it's not like if you're in an urban area, you'd need this service. This is like if you're in the middle of a desert and there's nothing else around. Um, and if you need satellite, if you need, even if it's 5,000 satellites for more coverage, um, it'd have to be fairly high up to cover a large range and to provide that service uh, okay. over remote areas. That That's why I say that, that it'd have to be in a higher, he, they, I mean, they did say low earth orbit, but that's still a couple hundred miles um, where you can do that with with hot with helium balloons and and uh, at the speeds the satellite's supposed to travel at on, on, you know. No, you can't put a helium balloon at a couple hundred miles. All right. Well, I'll let you go ahead because, uh, you know, there is a contingency of folks that are questioning everything these days. But uh, I understand. Please yeah. continue. Well, you know what? They've lied to us about everything. I made the point in a recent video. They lied to us about getting us into the Vietnam War. They lied to us about getting yes. us into every single war we've had since and wars before. They just seem to lie yeah. about everything, including World Trade Center 7 on 9-11 in uh, the uh, bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine, which we're told is safe and effective. So, you know, it just doesn't surprise me anymore that people question everything and maybe rightly so, Tavon. 
I understand that, but at some point there has to be some underpinning on what 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 keeps you grounded to reality, and that you know that that's for each person to decide what it is for themselves. Um, it is, it is. But then we get into the conversation about gravity and what's the nature of gravity, right? Yeah, a balloon, right, yeah. a helium it, balloon from a kid yeah. can float up. Meanwhile, we're all tied to Earth based on gravity. I don't know. So anyway, just saying. Go ahead. <laughs> Okay, so now we're going to go into um, modern supercomputers. We're going to talk about technologies that have been written about for decades uh, that are being researched. Uh, the papers are there. The results are there. But, you know, we don't have it in our consumer life. But yet these technologies are made available or they're, they're there. They're being researched on or possibly being used in ways that we don't know about. So we're going to talk about supercomputers, modern supercomputers. And so supercomputer in general is a machine that is constructed to do an insane amount of calculations at a much faster than a consumer desktop. Now these supercomputers of today would basically be a form of quantum computer only operated by governments and contractors and banks, you know, the entities that would have the funding and, and the resources to be able to get and use uh, such a machine. Now there are several types of quantum computers currently in operation. Now, one is a cryogenic type, super, a super cooled quantum computer like the D-Wave. You know, there's lots of information about D-Wave and what others have found about that machine. Uh, there are ion, what are called ion confinement, atomic clocks like what we just discussed that take these atoms uh, and use these atoms as a means of calculating uh, logic. You know, you can, you can apply forces to these atoms and they can give you an output, okay? Um, and this is a particularly attractive design because the, it could be worked on at um, room temperature. It can be done at room temperature. So if you have the budget, if you have anything from fifty to $100,000, you can actually, and you have the, the knowledge, you can try to build one yourself. Someone has done that in Europe. Um, now, there's another type of quantum computer that is light-based. And the circuit boards themselves use light diffraction. And to do this, they need to create, uh, they had to create an optical photon circuit board. And that is out of a research gate um, uh, paper of a bunch of researchers out of the UK. I think it is out of Oxford University. And so that, that's what that illustration is on the left. Um, but that's an interesting paper using light as a means of doing an algorithm. Uh, and this is part of like when we hear about all this this data that they've been collecting on everybody. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of computers could crunch all of that data? It's these these modern supercomputers that would be able to do that. Well, Starling, Sean, a lot of this research is at least ten years old. When you when you look at the date of these publications, friends, just a real quick break and a word about our sponsor. We're technically at war and in a recession. Two things the government doesn't want you to know, but it's only a matter of time until the cracks start to show and you know who's going to get hit the most? You. That's why you need to protect yourself and your family because things are going to get worse before they get better. Fortunately, Noble Gold Investments is here to help you. There's always a risk of investment and no guarantee of any kind, so do your own due diligence. But you've worked too hard to build up your savings and investments to see it all crumble. Gold and silver from Noble Gold Investments are real possessions in times like these. Knowing you're outside the system, if and when it crashes, is a great feeling. And a surefire way to keep your money safe for your retirement is a precious metals IRA. Noble Gold Investments has been helping people just like you to keep their money safe for years with these IRAs. And this month, Noble Gold is giving away a Gold Eagle bullion coin with every qualifying IRA of $50,000 or higher. Make sure you don't get trampled. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com. That's noblegoldinvestments.com. Okay. okay. Um, we have something called DNA-based computers. Uh, so a third kind of computer is DNA-based computing, where they use the DNA strand itself to perform computer logic operations. This was done in 2009. This kind of hardware is what you need to run uh, this kind of infrastructure. I mean, you need the technology. This technology is around right now and it's being used. The question is to what degree is it being used? We know from human history that work on these kind of things can take decades before the general public becomes aware. Our physical bodies require DNA instructions to survive. You know, DNA computing can turn it into an electric, uh, can take the data that it takes from us being in, in a society and turn into electric analog signals. Once you get this, get it to that point, then you have an infrastructure that can take this biological information, 
turn it into a signal that can be converted into an intelligent waveform that can be interpreted as voice, sound, thoughts, and images. So on the left is uh, just a clip of the papers because it's very fascinating. Just the abstract itself is wild. It's logic gates and antisense DNA devices operating on the translator nucleic acid scaffold. I won't read through this, but when you when you look through the 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 language and you read the, at least the first couple of sentences, basically they're able to take DNA strands, um, design them in the way that they perform basic computer logic like and or zor exclusive or, and they were able to let this thing run, do its thing, you know, being programmed. And it actually gave an output in the form of a DNA strand that gave the correct output. So they used D they used DNA to perform a computer calculation. Yeah, and is this... Lo, I'm Glenn, sorry, I... let me just jump in and ask you guys something here too about the spiritual nature of quantum computing. Um, I had Anthony Patch on years ago. He's not been available mm -hmm. to come on since, but uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going off memory here, but uh, he quoted the guy behind D-Wave Computing, Gordy Rose, as saying yes. that they are collaborating with parallel universes. Yes. So let's just break down the spiritual nature of what we're talking about here, because I think we're glossing over it a little bit. Not not on purpose. You're taking yes. us through the science and I'm saying, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a bit like as in the days of Noah. Yes, really getting right. deep into the woo like they have been with CERN. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, are are so, there dangers here is what I'm saying. Are there dangers? Oh, big, oh, big time. It, it sure sounds like D-Wave computing to me is really kind of summoning demons. And I think I might be loosely quoting uh, Gordy Rose there as well. And these things that we're summoning into the world now are not demons. They're not evil. But they're more like the Lovecraftian great old ones. There are entities that are not necessarily going to be aligned with what we want well um if you remember sean we also did a presentation where we cited um yeah the the, the why are are there's so much money um put to attract scientists to engage in this kind of research because they're going through years clearly decades over a decade ago where they're doing this research without asking the why are we doing this i mean but who came up with this idea? Who's the program manager that said this is a good idea? Yeah, that's um, right. Because no, there's no, there's no spiritual. I, maybe Sean, maybe I mean things will get to a point on this planet where things get so bad, people need to start asking for the spiritual affiliation of the person that's running a program. Yeah. That's exactly my point. Running yeah. the town. It reminds because me of Jack is, Parsons, you know, yes. and Jet Propulsion <laughs> Labs, and Alistair Crowley, and you know, L. Ron Hubbard, and they all wanted to commune with and summon demons. That gave them this information. That's kind of what yes. I'm driving at. Yes, yes, and, and with that has never gone away. It seemed like ever since the 20th century, the technology started going to the, coming to the, to, to the forefront. Um, there's always been a push to communicate with the dead. You know, we can go back to again uh, Nikola Tesla with extraterrestrials or um, Edison's ghost Ed, phone. Edison's ghost phone trying yeah. to you know oh it was a joke. He only he didn't really mean to try to communicate with his wife. He just you know wanted to build this thing, right? So. <laughs> Uh, and, and then and then it gets into uh, is what we're reading about the multiple ways of building what we call a computer actually a computer? Is it just a logic gate, or is or is everyone being tricked into building something that can be seen as an interpreter to communicate to something in another realm? Um, well, I, you know, something that that comes to my mind too when I when I hear about DNA based computers and that they can do this kind of thing with DNA. What were they doing with the mRNA that they injected into five and a half billion people? Were they programming it to go into people to do stuff like they're doing here? What is that a far reach to, to think that? What was what was the origin of the RNA? What what DNA did it come from? Yeah, where where did that DNA come from that they made the mRNA from from all the injections? That's been one of our questions. So, so yeah. I, I think you're asking the right question, Sean. <laughs> well, and by the way, you know, cesium, according to Todd Callender and uh, researcher Lisa McGee, has been found in the vaccines. You mentioned cesium earlier. So maybe that's part of a bigger picture. But please go continue. Well, all of this was uh, is to sum it up into this, the the graphene oxide, because I, I did. I I, um, I spoke with Todd Callender about the cesium found in the vaccines, and I asked him and Lisa also to give me some um, some reference links so that I can put that into this this presentation. So I have those reference links, though. They will be in the show notes. 
But basically it comes down to this, that the graphene oxide found in the injectables and the environmental pollution works on a quantum level with 5G. And just some highlights, and this is all from our, our previous presentations where we've proved this out. It replicates and self-assembles nanotech inside of the body. It's used to track and trace humans. It's used for DNA targeting. It's used for mind control and other forms of control of humans. And it's used for depopulation. So what, we're, what we've done here is try to explain all the science behind the woo-woo that brings us to this point, that this is exactly how they're attacking all of us through these, these quantum means. And with that, I just wanted to update because, you know, we've been talking about this concept. Are they trying to turn um, humans into transhuman antennas? So this is an update that we're doing on the white fibers clots investigation that we've been performing over the last several months. Um, so the concept is, are the white fibers clots that are found in the, the vaccinated deceased by embalmers the evidence that the COVID vaccines are turning people into walking antennas to be controlled by an outside source such as 5G. So we've been conducting an ongoing investigation over the last several months regarding the whole white, the white fibers clots. Um, and so we have three different interviews and we just did the last one with Mike Adams. So the first interview we did was with Matt Taylor, who's one of the engineers uh, part of the microscope army where we were talking about this concept and showing him fractal antennas, which we'll get to in just a second, um, to, to get his, his take on it, if it's a circuit board that's being grown inside of people. Then we went straight to Dr. Jane Ruby, who was the one that spoke with the embalmer to get those white fibers clots, and she gave them to Mike Adams, and they, he did the analysis under the microscope, so we got her professional opinion on that and showed her... Um, the fractal antenna theory that we had come up with as well. And now finally, just recently, after waiting for a few months, just to ask Mike this one question, we were able to do an interview with Mike Adams and present him with um, this theory of the, the white fibers clots being fractal antennas grown inside of people, turning people into transhuman people, um, and ask a few questions of him. And it was great because he's the only one that got his hands on a clot and did the kind of analysis that was done on these particular white fibrous clots. Nobody else has done yes, yeah. that kind of analysis on it. So what he did was an elemental analysis. So what this is just a review. What Mike Adams did was um, an analysis, an elemental analysis on these clots, um, the summary of his findings, what these clots were made out of. They were self-assembling biostructures that get bigger over time inside of people's blood vessels. And unlike blood, they contain only trace amounts of iron, potassium, magnesium, and chlorine, but more potassium. They have sodium, have a lot of sodium and tin and aluminum. Yes. They're composed of that, which are much in much higher amounts in the structures than in human blood. These are electrical conductive elements. The structure is harvesting conductive elements from the blood to increase it in its size. The structure takes the shape of the artery or vein it resides in. And these are our notes on his observations. It is unknown the exact mechanism by which these things are forming, although there are ideas. Um, look up Dr. Charles Lieber patents, arrested and convicted for selling biocircuitry secrets to China. These elements make these structures electromagnetically conductive in the RF range. So for what purpose? And this is what we believe this is is happening inside of people's bodies through these um, these injections. Um, what you're looking at here is a fractal antenna. And since Tavon's the engineer, I'll just have you explain what it is that they're seeing. But as you can see, Sean, these look like natural patterns that you see in nature because you can put um, a lot of. Uh, well, basically, by having each each of these patterns, you can have enfolded geometries that that, that have a lot of bandwidth to them. The smallest branch can only uh, has a certain resonant frequency. The larger branches have a larger resonant frequency. So in a small space, you have something that has high fidelity that can send and receive a broad set of frequencies. That's the advantage of a fractal antenna. And they could be made from seemingly natural processes also. So you have this uh, on the left, you have this three-dimensional fractal antenna. This was an IEEE paper that was grown out of a vat that contained copper. Uh, actually, what you see at the bottom is where the coax cable 
normally is, they had to take it, put it upside down to grow this copper crystalline growth uh, within this vat of chemicals. It was a, an electrochemical process to grow this, uh, this basically copper branch. And then they ran it through some tests to get its resonant frequencies. And it makes an excellent transmitter and receiver as a fractal antenna. And what you see on the right is a two-dimensional version of one um, etched out of a PCB board. Huh. It looks like coral. Yeah. 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 And it can be grown this way with uh, electronics and mechanics. So we're thinking that this might be what this nanotechnology is doing inside of people's at, bodies. At, at the molecular level. And those white fibrous clots might be the evidence that that's what this is. So in order to find out more about that, more tests need to be run on these particular white fibrous clots. So we we made some uh, suggestions as to the specific types of technological tests that could be run for anybody that has the equipment and has access to one of these clots. We personally don't have access to the clots, um, but uh, and we don't have the equipment, but even if we did have the equipment, we still don't have access to the clots. So if there's anybody out there and this is what we were able to present to Mike Adams as well. If there's anybody out there who does have access to this, these are the types of tests that you could run to see if these are in, indeed circuit boards being grown inside of people's bodies. So do these fibrous clots change dimension when stimulated by EMF pulse? That's something we spoke to uh, Matt Taylor about in that first interview. Is this instantaneous thermal heating associated with these clots and structures when stimulated by EMFs? And do these structures have resonant frequencies in the mega and gigahertz range with low loss? So we were able to present this to Mike Adams. He thought this was fantastic. He called it bombshell. And it was really awesome to be able to get this out there in front of his audience, as well as your audience, Sean, because we're just trying to ask the right questions to get to the bottom of this investigation of what it is that they're doing to human beings with this nanotechnology. It makes me wonder if uh, they're not doing the same research you are. And I mean proprietors of this weapons-based technology and their VAX because it's all an experiment. So mm -hmm. they're looking mm -hmm. at data that's much more full, a fuller picture of the data than you or me or Mike Adams or La Quinta Columna, but this is all an experiment. So maybe they killed a lot of people with round one and two, and now they're going to refine their bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine so they can continue to build out whatever this network is that they're trying to build out. And maybe not as many people will die in the future. But this research is so important because people who are running out to get this bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine, they have no idea that that's what they're doing. They think they're getting a quote unquote vaccine from a big pharma company that cares about them. And as you and I have discussed in the past, even my own mother-in-law and my own mother somehow believe Albert Borla cares more about them than I do when I share this type mm -hmm. of information with them. So you're doing God's work by just doing the research. Well yeah. said, Sean, you know what it really does. It hits home for us too. I just did a recent video explaining five or six different incidences with people I know personally family members, friends, and neighbors that have all been horribly affected by this vaccine program. So it's, and you you can't, you know, you, you can't talk to them. You just can't. Hmm. You, you try to tell them about these things, even in a gentle way. And they're just completely and totally, like you said, they think that big pharma loves them and, and they would never do them any wrong. But meanwhile, I think that these structures are growing inside of my family members you know yeah. <clears throat> it's very difficult very did, difficult to to do and did i tell you guys what pfizer spelled backwards is and what it means i, I don't think you covered it in another show oh, maybe yeah. but yeah if, if you could go ahead and remind us yeah i remember it was really interesting yeah pfizer spelled backwards is rezafip it's of hebrew origin and it means the burner or the ravager it's some sort of west semitic god of the plague in the underworld so wow. I'm not sure if you can wow. make that up. I don't know that you can <clears throat> accidentally name your company Pfizer and then you do the anagram of it or whatever that is, a word spelled backwards, and it means an ancient god of the underworld. I don't think that <laughs> happens by accident. Wow. Yeah. No, I'll... nothing happens by accident. Uh, nope. That's for sure. So with that said, let's move into our surveillance state updates that we were talking about. So there's a, a few different uh, recent stories that I wanted to highlight here. The first one is a personal uh, report that I'll be putting out on my channel super soon. Just haven't gotten a chance to do it yet, but it should be out this week. It's about face facial recognition is now being used in the U.S. in order to board international flights. No prior notice is given. They spring it on you when you're about to board on the plane. Uh, 
Your face is scanned to match up with your photo ID. Um, and so this picture up on the top right here, this is the photo sent to me by our one of our, our newest team members, Donna. She just moved to Morocco um, from America, from Louisiana. And as she was boarding um, her flight to get onto the international flight to, to fly across the ocean, they, they, they made an announcement and they said, this is a new thing we're doing. It's facial recognition. So you have to come and look into the camera. So you're seeing the flight attendant announcing the facial recognition. This computer here is the computer. This is the girl. She has to stand in front of the computer to have her face scanned in order to match up with her ID, in order to let her on the plane. And the plane is right out that door. So there was no, there was no notice of this. There was like nothing. They waited until you were just about ready to get on the plane. Mm -hmm. You've already passed all the security checkpoints, and now they're doing facial recognition. They sprung it on you for international flights. So while this was happening, um, you know, Donna, our, our our new team member here, she was really freaked out. She was sending me photos of what was going on. You know, we were praying for her safe passage, but uh, that's that's what happened there. So that's really happening, and we'll have the special report on that real soon. Um, also Whole Foods, and you might've seen this cause this is a little bit older, but they've really ramped it up. Whole Foods has implemented Amazon's walkout technology that scans your palm and your face when you walk in and deducts the money from items that you purchase from your bank account later yeah. on. Now we know why Bezos bought Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. And there's a, there's a lot of videos that have been popping up with people saying, I, I can't believe this is happening. And they're, they're, they're going in there with their cell phones and taking videos of this scanning and everybody just like walking in and scanning themselves into the store. Hmm. So that creeps me out. Um, I'll never shop there again, that's for sure. Um, and also there's a new grocery store, a grocery, the grocery industry has put out a new app that tracks drug and vaccine purchases along with food. And this involves a whole bunch of the major supermarket chains in America that are using this app right now. So it's basically, if you don't have your vaccine, you can't buy food. That's uh, yeah. basically what we're looking at here. So these are the updates on the surveillance state. More to come sure, I'm soon. I'm, uh, more to come soon, I'm sure. We're going to talk about the chemical warfare as well, because, you know, not only do we have this attack with uh, the bioweapons and everything else, but now, we, now we're dealing with, with chemical attacks. This here is a list of the hazardous chemical spills and explosions or fires on U.S. soil since the beginning of the year. So just in the last couple of months, I have links to every single one of these news stories in the notes. Every one of them is horrible toxic chemical spill evacuating thousands of people um you know mm. hazmat materials just uranium fires in tennessee nebraska coal derail and all of this of course we have heard about um the ohio train derail chernobyl level chemical spill in uh east palestine so here's a list of that and let's talk about that one the the one really big one um through the East Palestine, Ohio train derailment, there was World War One level chemical warfare released. So the chemical emitted in Ohio, uh, the train crash breaks down into World War One chemical weapon when burned. Vinyl chloride, the chemical released from the site of the northern so the Norfolk Southern train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, breaks down during combustion into phosgene, a substance used as a chemical weapon in World War One according to multiple fact sheets from federal agencies. Dioxins, a chemical byproduct of the burning of vinyl chloride and other chemicals, were also released after the Ohio train derailment. They persist in the environment and will contaminate the food supply. And here is the dangers of dioxins. We put a few uh, um, articles out there from, you know, the major institutions even. But, you know, Agent Orange and dioxin, that's an interesting uh combination because basically it's it's partly made up of dioxin is what agent orange is so we've got dioxins and their effects on human health dioxins from the the nih and even from the epa so dioxins are not good for you obviously but um they're trying to act like they are just fine it's you, like that's yeah. my little meme up here yeah have you guys been watching any of the uh, research being done by tim truth about this 
a, a little bit, not enough though. Yeah. I'm still uh... Circla, C E R C L A under the uh, EPA was previously known as Superfund, right? And so it looks mm-hmm. like Ohio, East Palestine, Ohio was chosen specifically as a location. This was premeditated. It was caused to happen. And it looks as though this might be all part of the United Nations Agenda 2030 strategy to get people off the rural lands, out of their homes. So now they're saying if they test for dioxins, which which I think they're going to do, and they find dioxins on your property, they may put a lien on your property for the cost of cleanup. It's all part of United Nations Agenda 2030, and Tim Truth has reached out to the EPA and begged them to say that they will not place these liens on homes in East Palestine. They refuse to talk to him or answer him. So we got to keep our eye on that. Wow. You know, because there there is a part of this that, I mean, I do agree with um with that that theory that this is basically trying to get people, they're trying to get take the land over, you know. Um, so... Actually, on our next our next slide here, we're talking about the three different narratives that is going on, and that's part of it as well. So we're hearing three different narratives. The first one is, you know, mainstream mostly saying it's not that bad. It's, you right. know, go back to your homes. It's it's not that bad. It's fine. Then the other narrative is it's much worse than they're reporting, and then the other narrative is it's not that bad, and they're trying to force us off the land. Right. So. We'll see how this all really pans out. But, you know, thanks for mentioning those articles from Tim Truth, because that really is very telling um, to show what's going on there, because this is definitely them making their next big move. You know, they Mm -hmm. they attacked us first with the COVID agenda, and now they're they're making their big land grab and they're trying to depopulate, really. Um, So this is a is this a Fukushima replay? So what we're seeing with those different narratives is the first thing. Um, And the second thing is also the CDC changed the regulation policy to make the chemicals appear to be less toxic, like just a couple days um, after the the train derailment in Ohio. So what we're saying is, is this is the same protocol that was implemented after Fukushima. These are signs of a cover up because you you remember that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In 2011. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, 11 days before the event. The EPA removed language regarding vinyl chloride about vinyl chloride being more likely to cause vinyl chloride induced cancer in children yeah. than in adults. And they removed that language before the event. So, again, before just the speaks event. to foreknowledge before the event. Yeah. Wow. Well, there's your evidence. This is them making their, their next move, you know. Well, anyway, with that said, the last slide here, before we just talk briefly about our products at the very end, we want to tell everybody about our Fix the World Cattle Farmer Project. And this is us trying to do our part to see if there's anything we can do to help preserve the food supply. So as you know, the attack on our food supply is worse than ever, especially in the meat and dairy industry. So we've been contacted by dairy farmers who have cattle that are suffering from a decreased milk supply Mm -hmm due to the 5G, EMF, and power lines around their ranch. So we're running an experiment with several cattle farmers to see if our EMF protection products, along with other methods that we can suggest, could help protect the cattle and increase a healthy meat and dairy supply. Um, The reason why we're doing this is because a similar experiment has already been done with bees, and it resulted in quadrupling the beehive population. And we did cover that on a show a while back, so I can leave notes to that um, in the show notes for this as well to, to talk about that experiment with the bees. But it was fascinating. So we're thinking if it worked for the bees, it could work for the cattle. So we just want to do a little bit of a call out. If you are a cattle farmer and you're interested in participating in this experiment with us, uh, just contact us, go to our website and contact us on the contact form. We've already been speaking with, um, we've had like four or five different cattle farmers with uh, Uh, small, small ranches. Particularly uh, dairy and dairy. Yeah. So basically we just wanted to tell people about this and we hope to be able to, um, make a documentation of it, make a video about it so that we can help show other people how there are ways that you can try to preserve what they're doing uh, and preserve the food supply and, you know, and fight back against what they've been trying to do by killing off the, the, the meat industry. So there we go. And with that said, our last slide, just a little bit about our products, because we we've teamed up with SGT. 
So if you're interested, we do make handmade products for EMF protection. Um, we have sleeping pods for a good night's sleep. We have charge plates for use around the home to preserve your food and more. We've got some phone shields to put on your cell phone, laptop, and routers. Pendants for personal EMF protection on your body. Pyramids and garden sets for gridding your home, property, garden for EMF protection on a large scale. And tiles for incorporating EMF protection into construction project projects. And if you use this link, um, we SGT gets a nice commission from that so that we can help support alternative media and keep Sean doing the great work that he's been doing. On our site, we've got all the science behind all of our products, how they work, why they work. We have a bunch of testimonials. And if you do have any questions, please feel free to write us a question on, um, on our contact form. We have our new team member, Donna, who's helping us to field our Many emails that we've been getting. So thanks so much, everybody, for all your support over thank these you. last thank couple of much. years. And thank you, Sean, for uh, for helping us to get the word out. Yeah, thank well, you. <laughs> yeah, I'm always delighted to have you guys on and uh, you're great folks. I will leave the link below. Our guests have been Hope and Devon, the website ftwproject.com. If you want to use my affiliate link below, guys, it'll take you directly to the products. By the way, I have sitting right next to me two of the sleeping pods. I do. Uh, my little home office is up in our bedroom, so that would explain that. And uh, I appreciate <laughs> you guys very much. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks, yeah, thank you, Thank you for having us on, Sean. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, always my pleasure. And friends, thanks so much for tuning in. As always, every single day for free, this is why we exist. TheFazer.com, TheLibertyMill.com, and SGTReport.com. These are antidotes to the corporate propaganda, World Economic Forum, Bill Gates, Joe Biden lies, and of course, the mainstream media lies. May God bless you and your family. Bye-bye. These are the active ingredients of what they sprayed around Boulder, Colorado for their project, um, Restore Colorado 22. Uh, it's all terrible chemicals right here. And it's every park, every hiking trail, every pond. They poisoned everything. And these are places where we take our kids and grandkids, our dogs, everybody's hiking. It's all over your feet. It's all over everything. And the dogs are drinking out of the pond. They're drinking these chemicals. 